Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Mason Kern, filling in for Rob Werner this week alongside site publisher Chris Cartman and staff reporters Jacob Runner and Trevor Booth. Guys, how are you doing today? Doing good, Mason. It's another road week. We won't. Uh, I won't be there, but you know, excited to to watch another game and, and get a new perspective on it this Friday. Chris, how are we doing this morning? I'm great, Mason. It's interesting to see you in the driver's seat of this one. I'm going to be very uh, discerning on how you do. Oh, I figured as much, and I'm sure our listeners will be too. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and. Uh, coast this thing along for you guys. It's going to be a great time. Jacob, how are we doing today? I was going to say the same thing. I'm excited to have you at the driver's seat of the podcast. It'll be fun. It's a it's a change of scenery, a change of sound for the people listening in. So I'm excited. This will be fun. The people at home can't see Mason, but you have a Hans device that's strapped to your helmet. You have a three, you have a three point uh, harness that's buckling you into your seat. Right. Yeah. And this Super is, nervous. Well, this is just in, in case that there's any, uh, you know, bumps in the road as turbulence. we go through this process. Right. But, I, you know, we're Mixed not going to have... metaphor there, Jacob. We're not going to have any turbulence on this podcast today. This is our premium edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast for you guys. We're going di- to do a deep dive into the Cal Bears as ASU takes on Cal on Friday. And, Jacob, you wrote our first look. But but first off, I, Cal's the only undefeated team in the Pac-12 right now. And that might be a surprise to some considering they were picked to finish fifth in the North in the preseason media poll. Guys, first off, what do you just kind of make of Cal's really strong start to the season? Chris, I'll start with you. A little bit surprising. We knew that Cal was going to be really good on defense again. The question was whether it would be able to put up enough points to beat some of these opponents. Uh, Going up to Seattle and beating Washington on the road was really impressive. That game was delayed several hours and uh, ended uh, after my bedtime, which is pretty rare for a college football game. Did did end up going uh, back and watching the whole thing. Really great performance. Uh, I, I picked Cal to lose at Ole Miss, uh, probably because I underestimated how bad that Ole Miss actually is. When I watched the game, I kind of regretted it initially, uh, but that was pretty impressive. They uh, definitely showed some more offensive potency than they did last year. And um, their their offense continues to build in a way that supports their defense. That certainly is still the strength of their team. There's going to be a lot bigger tests ahead. If you look at like ESPN FPI, uh, it doesn't match what uh, Cal's number 15 ranking is in the Associated Press poll. Uh, in FPI, it's like 38. So the the, the uh, advanced modeling, uh, you know, type um, look at uh, Cal don't really necessarily agree with Cal's ranking. It thinks it's probably overperforming to some degree at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, Chris, you mentioned our, our pick the pack there briefly. I, I have picked against Cal twice. I picked against Cal to lose to Ole Miss. I also picked them when they played Washington to lose. So I, I have not been on the, the the Cal train. So to say it was a surprise is, is certainly is accurate. I, I, I'm definitely surprised by it. And then you, you mentioned the FPI ranking. They are 38th. And they are 15th in the country right now, so that they are playing above the metrics ranking that that ESPN is giving them. So to say it's a surprise is, is certainly how I would how I would feel about that. And Jacob, I'm interested to see just how the game is going to play out on Friday. I know uh, ASU's coaches talked this week about how it's going to be similar to a Michigan State game with both teams kind of playing in on defense. And then also when talking to a lot of ASU's defensive personnel yesterday, they mentioned that they feel like Chase Garbers has kind of evolved as a quarterback a little bit more as a passer, had four touchdowns in that Ole Miss game. Um, I, I talked to Ashari Crosswell in specific, and he said this feels like an opportunity for him and the rest of ASU's kind of back end of the defense to try to get more toward their interception goal. I know they're only at one through four games, but the um, focus for him, he said, was to get back to specifics and then maybe try to find opportunities if Cal goes down in the air a little 
little bit more. And let's just uh, put an underline on this. Even though Cal is 4-0, it only beat UC Davis 27-13 to open the season. And uh, sandwiched between Washington and Ole Miss, it only beat North Texas 23-17. to So Cal hasn't scored more than 27 – pardon me, more than 28 points in a game this season, uh, including against two clearly inferior type of opponents. So there's still a lot of questions about the offensive side – of the ball, and especially as we're going to get into here, because there are some injuries that uh, affect Cal up front. Right, yeah, and we're, we're going to, like Chris says, they haven't scored more than 28 points yet this season. Jacob wrote our first look, and, and we're going to start here with the offense. Chase Garbers, sophomore quarterback, returning after playing his freshman season, and then, I mean, like Chris mentioned, some injuries as well. So, Jacob, what more can you tell us about Cal's offense? Yeah, so, so Chase Garbers, Danny Gonzalez has talked about how this is a quarterback that last year they were doing a lot more quick game with him because they didn't trust him as much. It was a lot of, in his exact words, one, two, three, tuck and go with Chase Garbers. And then this year, as Danny Gonzalez said, it's one of those things where they've transitioned him to this more postured look where he's able to sit back into the pocket a little bit longer, deliver passes, and actually run through his progression and go through that a little bit more like a postured veteran was exactly what Gonzalez called him. And and that has actually shown up slightly in the stat sheets. He hasn't exactly blown people away with the passing yardage numbers. He ranks sixth in the Pac-12 with 180, with 835, excuse me, passing yards, most of which came against Ole Miss in that big win last week. Right. They, outside of him, running backs are, are solid. Christopher Brown, Marcel Dancy, they've combined for 152 yards against Washington in that ranked upset win back in week two. So those two guys have been good. But the big story, like Chris mentioned, is those injuries up front. Gentle Williams and Will Craig, two of their offensive linemen, went down with season-ending injuries, and they've been replaced by freshmen. So a lot of inexperience up front. Matthew Sindrick and McCade Mature are the two guys that have stepped into the offensive line there, and that is certainly a question mark going into a game with ASU's very strong defense. This team offensively reminds me in a kind of maybe a weird way of Virginia with Bryce Perkins, a former ASU quarterback who transferred, uh, doesn't have a great arm, and Chase Garbers doesn't really have a great arm. He tends to – he's accurate, but he tends to loft passes – and um, he had an interception at Ole Miss that was not a particularly good throw. The ball seems to take a little bit longer to get where it's going with him. So I see opportunities in that regard, and especially because Cal's receivers, while pretty decent, aren't uh, upper echelon of the Pac-12 by any stretch, and especially with some of the offensive line concerns, which didn't really show up in pass protection against Ole Miss, which I thought was – uh, a really bad sign for Ole Miss' season right. coming up. But but um, they're still pretty conservative overall with Garbers, even as he's transitioning from year one to year two. When he does have more time and they max pro and they have the ability to find guys down the field, he's been able to get there, although not necessarily on time. He is very good at scrambling and also some design quarterback runs, and ASU's probably going to want to spy him at times and make sure that he doesn't beat uh, the Sun Devils with his feet. Uh, he's also a tough kid. He took some really punishing hits against Ole Miss, was able to kind of somehow pop back in there and, and, and continue to play. Um, I think he's sort of the heartbeat of their offense, even though they don't really have great skill players around him. And... Um, a lot of quick game, a lot of motioning, a lot of, you know, misdirection stuff, zone read, 
they, they'll, they'll run, roll them out of the pocket. They'll do some naked bootleg stuff. They're trying to be creative, and they prefer to have short to intermediate throws as, as opposed to long throws. And uh, you guys can probably tell that I'm headed uh, toward the direction of saying that this is a, a matchup that ASU should be much better at than uh, its previous game against Colorado. And another thing worth mentioning is you talked about the, the pass protection when they're able to give Chase Garbers that time to really survey the field and, and, and make a decision to make a longer play and, and kind of stray away from that quick game that you mentioned, Chris. They also do have two tight ends, Jake Tongas and Gavin Reinwald. Both of them are very capable blockers, according to Danny Gonzalez. They haven't received, done a ton of receiving this season. Tongas is the leader amongst the two of them with 119 yards. But the two are capable at, at staying back and being good blockers. He had Tongas had a 60-yard touchdown that slipped on a bad. Uh, we just um, he the it was basically an H back release. The guy who was supposed to cover him didn't, and then the the middle field safety just completely whiffed on the tackle. So that wasn't like really an impressive play actually. And he has four catches on the, on the season in four games. They spread the ball around quite a bit, but I just don't see, even though that they go to a lot of window dressing and they'll do bunch set trips and they, they'll, they'll run verticals and stuff. I just don't really see uh, a lot of potency. And also Garbers doesn't have the type of arm that's going to be able to get the ball down the field in a hurry like uh, Montez was last week uh, for Colorado. Right, and, and in that Colorado game, uh, Coach Danny Gonzalez this week is saying that he wants to get more pressure on the quarterback. Montez had a lot of time, so I want to get into ASU's defensive keys against Cal's offense, but Chris, to start off, just a quick question for you. Because of the injuries up front uh, on Cal's offensive line, does that present an even better opportunity for ASU to mix things up and get more pressure on the quarterback like they're seeking? Well, I, I think so, especially because... ASU's defensive backs are not going to have, at least they shouldn't have, any kind of problems with Cal's speed on the perimeter. And when you know that Garbers doesn't have a 50-plus yard arm to accurately get the ball all the way down the field, uh, I think this is a perfect opportunity for ASU to start doing some more aggressive stunts and twist actions to try to get to Garbers. The key thing, though, is that whenever you have a mobile quarterback that, like this, you, you also have to contain him. Right, which they did not do with so, Steven Montez. Right, so, so when you run the risk of throwing a bunch of guys at him, and if you're not spying him with a linebacker, um, you know that, that's really a potential concern that they have in this game, especially because he's so willingly physical. Uh, to be able to get out on the move. And also what I, what I anticipate kind of happening is Cal will, will adjust to that by going to more quick game, more boots, more rollouts, more zone read, things that, that, that uh, are quicker operating for the offense, and ASU will have to adjust accordingly. Right, and, and Trevor, just continuing on here, ASU is going to most likely be starting another true freshman on the defensive side of the ball as Cam Phillips uh, dislocated his elbow, according to Danny Gonzalez. So what, just, what are some more of the kind of defensive keys w with a true freshman starter in Willie Hartz? Yeah, so Willie Hartz is going to come in, and he's actually from the area, from Pittsburgh, California, so it's going to be a little bit of a kind of homecoming for him. Uh, Danny Gonzalez did feel um, and said that Willie Hartz is equally as talented as Cam Phillips with what he's able to do with his closing speed and also his quickness. So he's confident that he can go in there and make some plays. But he also did say that Cam Phillips has been play for play, our most productive player with his tackles. And then he has ASU's lone interception on the season. So it is something that ASU is going to have to get used to. 
Um, we talked to ASU's defensive line yesterday about kind of the adjustments they made in the Colorado game, how they went away from kind of the twists and the stunts they did in the first half to straight attacking vertical gaps in the second half, but it did take away from their pass rush and what they were able to do. So that's something they're going to try to kind of get going against Cal. Um, when we spoke to DJ Davidson, he said that the, the, the twists and stunts, they don't want to necessarily get away from that because they do feel like they can execute that very well. But they do want to implement more ways for them to get after the pass rush and to kind of get more exotic pressures um, on Cal this Friday. The, their top running back for Cal, Chris Brown, is a 230-pound, bigger-bodied kid. So once again, just like Colorado didn't really have running backs that were able to beat ASU with speed on the perimeter, more so the physical straight-ahead stuff. That's also the potential concern with Cal. I Just as I wasn't impressed, probably mistakenly, with Colorado's offensive line, I don't really see Cal's offensive line being particularly imposing from a physical standpoint. The center's actually pretty good. Um, but overall, they, they aren't a team that should be really – moving ASU back and resetting the line of scrimmage. And so I think there's going to be some questions, though, about whether ASU just tends to be more conservative and just do some of the stuff that it did adjusted to last week, as Trevor was saying, with some of those straight line attacks or whether that they're, they're aggressive with their stunts without uh, concern for guys not doing their job and maybe even opening up some holes uh, on the interior between the tackles for run lanes. Right, and we'll see if ASU's defense can kind of have a bounce-back game after allowing 34 points to Colorado last week. But, Jacob, as we transition now looking at Cal's defense, what are some of the kind of main takeaways that people should be looking for in this game? Right, well, this is this is a team that in a lot of ways is, is structurally similar to ASU in that their head coach, Justin Wilcox, is a defensive-minded guy. He was the defensive coordinator at Boise State, under, uh, under under Chris Peterson, who he worked with and has been a mentor to him. And, and essentially, this is a situation where Cal is a team that is, is capable of running a defensively-minded operation. They're very solid there. Tim DeRuta, their defensive coordinator, he is another one of those guys. He was hired after getting fired from Fresno State and then became in 2017, along with the, the rest of the coaching changes at Cal, their defensive coordinator. They run a 3-4 scheme. Two gap most of the time. It's a situation where they are trying to occupy offensive linemen for being able to get into the into the second level to block linebackers, which has opened up the game for their for their senior linebacker Evan Will. Uh, excuse me, totally messed up his name. Evan Weaver. Evan Weaver right. is the national leader in tackles, 63 tackles on the season, which puts him on pace through four games to absolutely destroy the NCAA record for tackles in a season of 193. And what the reason he's been able to do that is because their defense is set up in a way that is very favorable for linebackers to collect tackles. And then the other thing that they do super well is force quarterbacks to challenge the secondary. And they have a guy in their secondary in Ashton Davis who's highly regarded as a safety within the Pac-12. He was a preseason first-team All-Pac-12 pick. This is a guy that ASU will have to be very careful of, and he's a guy that Herm Edwards has said he sees a lot of in himself, in Ashton Davis, and he will talk to him before the game about beating his likely unbeatable four-interception record that he got when he was at Cal. That was a little bit of a humble brag by Herm Edwards to end the yeah. press conference. A little flex. Uh, yeah, so not surprisingly, based upon what you're saying there, Jacob, uh, the Cal defense is somewhat similar to Washington's defense because that's where Justin Wilcox cut his teeth um, under, under, under Peterson at Boise State for three years as a defensive coordinator, his first defensive coordinator job, subsequently went on and was a coordinator at several other stops, um, all of which basically places that really worked hard to pair um, 
more conservative, balanced, offensive styles as opposed to the, the spread, no huddle, up-tempo type things, uh, which is kind of interesting because Bo Baldwin, Cal's offensive coordinator at Eastern Washington as a head coach, was extremely potent with um, sort of the uh, just kind of t- opening things up and, and letting them go loose, but also uh, elements of the quarterback run orientation that we see in Chase Garbers. What I would say is this defense is plays a lot of cover one with 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 uh, Ashton. What's his name? Ashton Davis. Ashton Davis. Pardon me. Uh, he's a very good player. Uh, as it as the deep set aligned safety. That's something that Washington does, and what Colorado used to do before its last coaching change. What they uh, tend to do is they they they'll play a lot of cover three in man and they'll disguise whether they're going to be in cover three or man to make it kind of difficult they'll show uh you two high safety looks right. and then they won't let you know which safety is going to be the one that's going to drop into single high but it's going to pr- primarily be davis um and what they do that's really appealing to me is even though they are somewhat of a conservative defense on base downs they mix it up extremely well with when they decide to pressure on rundowns and the way that they actually blitz. And um, so they'll do a lot of shifts pre-snap. They'll change their fronts quite a bit to where they'll have two down linemen, then they'll go have three down linemen against certain groupings and looks, and sometimes irrespective of that. And then they'll, against heavier personnel, they'll play in the 50 front stuff like ASU did against Michigan State. Uh, They don't have speed pass rushers. Uh, they play with heavier outside linebackers that function more like defensive ends. That's what uh, does a good job of pushing run plays back inside, not allowing perimeter runs to break on them. They don't get knocked off the football. That's how they uh, you know, let their linebackers hunt for tackles. And um, yet when they do bring decide to bring pressure, they do it creatively. They do it smartly. They do it in a composed way. They, uh, they'll, they'll have their – uh, cornerbacks in bump coverages and they'll, 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 they'll try to, you know, prolong the releases of those receivers into their routes. And they have actually very good defensive backs, uh, including one of their top cornerbacks, who's a, a, one of the better cornerbacks that I've watched in the league uh, to this point, number 24, who is um, Cameron Bynum. So uh, I would say that it's a very difficult challenge for ASU because uh, Jaden Daniels is going to be tested. He's not going to know exactly what kind of look um, is going to be provided to him at, at any given point in time. They're going to move their front around in a way that could present some challenges for ASU's offensive linemen and uh, maybe could keep some of their younger players on that offensive front on their heels. But, but, but then again, the lack of speed rush could help ASU feel a little bit more comfortable with some of its uh, protections to some degree. I think it's also worth mentioning here that this Cal defense last year was one of those teams that Danny Gonzalez really emulated. This is one of those groups that he wanted his defense to be like this year with that 20 interception goal. Cal had 21 interceptions last year, and and they were one of three teams in FBS that came away with 20 interceptions. And Danny Gonzalez said, we want to be one of those teams this year. So this is a very capable secondary that proved it last year, and they're returning guys that had 20 of those 21 interceptions. Only one interception is not coming back on that defense. And that what that really speaks to is 
how well that they disguise their coverages and they they keep quarterbacks unbalanced by what they're doing, both with their pressures, the way that they will uh, have their cornerbacks looking at receivers uh, and even pressed up uh, pre-snap and then immediately at the snap, they'll bail out and they'll drop into zone coverage. So what happens is a guy who's a young quarterback who hasn't really identified this on film is he's pre-snap. He's looking, he's like, okay, all these guys are looking at their receivers. They're in man coverage. And then boom, at the snap, they drop into a zone coverage. You float a ball to the perimeter and you're at risk of having that ball returned for a, a big play going the other direction. And then also what they'll do is they'll show you like they're in zone and then they'll flip with their eyes and, and what they're doing to be in man really quickly and all of these things can make it difficult for, uh, you know, just a quarterback to really kind of get settled in. Do you see this as the as the first game this season that people will get to actually get their best look at Jaden Daniels' ability to decipher defenses and really have to adjust on the fly? Because with Michigan State, like we've talked about on past podcasts, that was a predictable defense, a good defense, but he knew what was coming. Is this his first chance this year to really prove his ability to decipher? I would say that um, it's a fair question. Uh, Michigan State is so good that it, the challenges are kind of different, right? I, I, I think that from a diagnostic standpoint, probably, although what happened in the Michigan State game, which maybe was a little bit of a surprise to ASU's coaches, is they plow, they played more cloud cover three as opposed to the cover one and quarter stuff that they have had tended to show in the past. And I think that Daniels actually handled that relatively well. These guys aren't going to probably play that much cover two. And when they go into some of their cloud stuff, it's a little bit better disguised. And I think the blitzes can be a little bit more disguised. So I think there are some elements of it, Jacob, that, that are probably going to be a little bit more challenging. Although the personnel is not as good in the front overall as what Michigan State provided, which maybe uh, kind of offsets that to some degree. Right, definitely going to be some challenges for ASU's offense in this game for sure. And I mean, Jaden Daniels throws his first interception of the season in the Cal in the Colorado game. Excuse me. So, just Trevor, what what are some of the offensive keys for ASU in order to kind of exploit a, a Cal secondary and a Cal defense overall that's pretty stingy? Right, and I'm looking to see what ASU can do with Eno Benjamin. We talked about on Tuesday's podcast how things were a little bit better for him. He had 4.2 yards per carry against Colorado on Saturday. Looking at Cal's defense from last year, um, they. They gave up 4.2 yards per carry on non-sack rushes. So if ASU can kind of be patient and try in terms of trying to find things for Eno Benjamin, that was something that Cal struggled a little bit with last year and that ranked outside of the top 80 in the FBS in that category. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to on Friday. Yeah, I think uh, there just needs to be enough diversity for, for Daniels. You can't have a guy going on the road and needing to throw for 350 yards and not you know, put the ball in jeopardy right. and all that stuff. The way that you do that is creativity on first and second downs to get you manageable down and distance situations. You need to be on schedule with a lot of your plays, right? And you can do that with run replacements, throwing the ball on uh, some of these hitches, curls, you know, uh, you know, the shallow outbreaking routes, things that get the ball quickly out of Daniel's hands to guys for short yardage. Also for, you know, Benjamin in the run game, uh, and then if you're able to do that, then you can take a few more shots on first and second down 
when you anticipate that they may be in some man coverages with the single high looks, you're not going to be able probably to have those 50, 60 yard bombs with the way that they have the single high safety set to be able to track all the way to either sideline. And that's kind of what their specialty is with their secondary. But you're going to have to be careful to not put Daniels into second and longs, third and long situations, because that's when you really make yourself susceptible to turnovers against this uh, opponent. Right. I think for me, the big thing is going to be, can ASU's offensive line back up what was really the first reasonably good performance that they've had this year against Colorado? Can they do it again against Cal? Now, I understand that that's not, they don't have the speed rush that's really going to be the the big challenge to a team like, to a team like ASU, but I would say that this is going to be a good test for them to show up and prove that they are a, a unit that is, is worth sticking with. And, and after the first good performance that they really had, can they do it again? That's my big question going into the game. I don't know that that's a, a key. I mean, obviously, it's a key to the game, but it's my more big question than the big answer. Right, and we'll see if ASU can, can do all these things against Cal when they take them on on Friday. But for now, we're going to tr- kind of transition and look at the rest of the games in the Pac-12. I know it's uh, my favorite segment. It's Pick the Pack, and that might be just because I'm beating everyone on the source staff right now. Was it my hum- favorite last week? Humble brag. Uh, yeah, last week was was a difficult one for a lot of the source staffers. We'll just kind of give a, a brief Ooh. record overall. Uh, Chris went straight up 2-4 and four and against the spread 1-5. and five. Rob, Ooh. who's not here today, uh, he went 3-3 three and three straight up and 2-4 and four against the spread. I went three and three straight up and three and three against the spread. R- Jacob, you went two and four straight up and two and four against the spread. Not a great week for you. And Trevor, two and four straight up and three and three against the spread. You mean nobody predicted that UCLA was going to score sixty <laughs> something points? Yeah, we all got that wrong at Washington State and when um, as did we get the Utah game wrong? Every single one of us. Utah just really uh, let itself down in that game. I was. Just, very disappointing performance by the Utes and not typically well coached. So definitely that those two games, uh, I did not think that ASU should have, um, Danny Gonzalez said that ASU should have beat Colorado by double digits. Yeah. Uh, I really, Trevor's the only one who got that pick semi right. Cause he had ASU winning, but yeah. not that he had them not covering. So. so anyways, that was the worst week that we've had as a staff. Oh, totally. and I've had personally, since we started doing this. Um, and so we got to get back on track this week. So let's go through it. Right. Yeah. So this week, uh, our picks are, we have, I think only five, five games total this week. Uh, so we'll start off. We'll go, uh, number 21 USC at number 17, Washington, Jacob, what's your pick? You got to see the line. Sorry. The spread is minus 10 and a half for Washington. I'm going to pick Washington to win the game, but not to cover. I'm going to pick that as well. Uh, I know Matt Fink had a good performance uh, for USC against Utah. I saw he's going to start. It looks like he's going to start with uh, Slova still being in concussion protocol. Washington wins but doesn't cover. Chris? I think Washington is going to shut USC's defense down reasonably well and um, narrowly cover. I still don't buy the USC hype. I get they've played well, but I have UW winning and covering as well. Our next game, we have Stanford minus four at Oregon State. That's uh, such an embarrassing line. I was about to Stanford. say the exact same thing. That is got to be embarrassed by that. Minus that might four. light a fire. What do you think? I'm going to pick Stanford to win in cover because I think that is an embarrassingly low line. So Stanford wins in covers. I have the same thing. Yep, Stanford wins in covers. I agree, but I think that we could see Oregon State score 30 points against Stanford, which is like unheard of. 
Yeah, that that's going to definitely be a game to watch out for for sure. But our next game, we have Washington State at number 19, Utah. Utah's favored by five and a half. I'll go first. I have a Washington State pulling the upset. I have Washington State winning. Uh, as do I. Washington State wins. This wow. Is, this is so bad. Um, <laughs> Utah's secondary was an atrocity in that game against USC. I take Washington State to win. Wow, all upsets, and we'll we'll have uh, Rob's picks here shortly uh, before the games happen. We won't be reading them on the podcast because he hasn't picked them yet, but we will get them in before the games happen, just, just FYI for all you listeners. But our next game, UCLA at Arizona. Arizona favored by six and a half. Jacob? I am so cautiously doing this because it has hurt me in the past, but I'm going to take UCLA to win and cover, and I say it, and it pains me already, and I, I know I'm going to get it wrong, but UCLA wins and covers. Are you damaged, Jacob? <laughs> I am. I mean... <laughs> You've had some bad weeks when you pick UCLA. <laughs> I've not... Okay, so... For some historical context here, I have not yet gotten it correct when I picked UCLA to do anything semi-positive, but I'm going to think that this is the first week. They had a big week last week. Momentum carries over a little bit. UCLA wins and covers. It's minus six and a half. I'm I'm confident. Trevor? I'll be with you if the ship goes down, Jacob. I've got UCLA winning as well. I am actually with you guys. I have UCLA upsetting Arizona as well. I'm going to go with Arizona wins, and but UCLA covers the six and a half. All right, well, there you go. And now for our final uh, game of the Pac-12 Pick the Pack, it's ASU and Cal. So score predictions, and Cal is favored by five and a half. Okay, I am going to put myself back on the Chase Lucas naughty list, and I am going to take Cal to win the game, not to cover 17-13 Cal. Okay. At the beginning of the week, I, I was looking towards Cal. I thought the defense and then the factor of it being a Friday night game for ASU on the road would play a factor, but I do think that the loss gives ASU more focus and attention to detail this week, and I do think they're going to find another way to bring a consistent pass rush. I have ASU winning 19-13. to 13. I kind of agree with you. I think that the the loss is really, really stinging ASU's defense right now, and uh, I'm, I'm going ASU to win 24-14. to 14. I am also going to pick ASU to win 23-17. to 17. Well, there you go. That wraps up our Pick the Pack, and it also wraps up our podcast with my first time hosting. I hope you guys had a good time. I know I sure did. You did great, Mason. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. We're not going to leave you strapped in. We're all gonna, right. We're gonna, I can gonna, get out of the harness now? Yeah, we're going to get you out of all the harness <laughs> thank stuff. Thank you. We, we'll, I'll get out of the harness. I'll put this up for you guys right away as we're recording this. But for Chris, site publisher Chris Cartman and staff reporters Jacob Renner and Trevor Booth, I'm your host for today, Mason Kern, saying so long, and thanks for tuning in. <laughs>